Hello again to the Nature of Nantucket podcast. I'm Rich Blundell, the visiting scientist at the Mariah Mitchell Association. In part one of this two-part series, I speak with the visual artist Rita LeDuc. Rita and I have been collaborating on a series of projects that explore the boundaries of art, science, nature, and culture. Many of these projects are grounded in the Hubbard Brook Experimental Forest in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. You can check them out through the links in the show description. Now we are expanding our collaborative model and bringing it to Nantucket. As an artist who works directly with the natural world, Rita brings a unique perspective that can help us disentangle the perceived contradictions between art and science. Her process highlights how nature may help us create a more beautiful culture. In this episode, we begin to unpack Rita's artistic practice, which also sheds light on how the culture and nature of Nantucket may have contributed to Mariah Mitchell's outlook, too. And now I bring you Rita LeDuc. So, Rita, um, as you know, Mariah Mitchell is... Uh, somewhat famous for one of her quotes where she says, quote, we especially need imagination in science. It's not all mathematics nor all logic, but it is somewhat beauty and poetry. I often refer to that when I'm trying to sort of make a case for the more artistic and imaginal and creative side of Mariah Mitchell. Um, does that... Uh, does that resonate with you at all as an artist? Well, I mean, it part of me feels like I have to throw myself into imagining being a scientist um, to try to imagine why she might say that she feels that she needs imagination in science. Because I'm not a scientist, but but I need imagination. So I can only imagine that, like, as a human, we all need imagination. Hmm. Um. So yeah, I mean, I love the quote, and I and I love that she said it, and I love that it's kind of been one, you know, it's the one in the, the bookstore in town. You're talking about the one that's up on the ceiling. Yeah, isn't that the same one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to me, it's just like yes, imagination in science, yes, imagination in everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm asking that question because I want to start to really think deeply about. You know, what it is that we're doing as, you know, as a collaborative team and what it is we're trying to manifest, you know, uh, uh, around the Mariah well, Mitchell Association. Yeah, I kind of, yeah, well, I want to ask you, like, because she uses the word especially, because I just said, like, yes, we need imagination and everything. But she said, we especially need imagination and mm. science. And, like, you're the one with the science background. Why do you think she said? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's, you have to contextualize it as one of the many internal transformations that science has gone through at around the time that she wrote that, which was probably in the you know mid to late 1800s, science was going through another of its um, sort of identity uh, transformations. I think what she's capturing there is the... Um, the atmosphere of pushback. <laughs> and what I mean by that is like, if you think back to like the romantic era, the 1790s in mm-hmm. Europe, uh, p- when people like Wordsworth and Coleridge were, were writing 
like the lyrical ba- ballads and when William Blake was you know writing his poetry a lot of that was in response to what was going on socially in the middle of the industrial revolution and so there was this backlash to what the industrial revolution was doing to the world what it was doing to the you know to the natural world and what it was doing to the to the social structures of the time and so there was a kind of like hey wait a minute this thing is out of control it's starting to really reduce the quality of our lives and the quality of our environment and so i think what she's doing there is picking up on that energy to to resist and to mm-hmm. say say wait a minute we especially need to get off the tracks that we're on i think i mm-hmm. think that's what she's she's getting at well i, I definitely i definitely agree <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it there's t- kind of two the two parts that are making me my mind go in two different directions that i've been going just sort of recently and so one of them is this like um the siloing that we talk about mm. And, um, and the black and whiteness, you know, and forgetting about the gray. And, and so, um, like (laughs) it's November 8th, right? So it's, it's election day 2022. Um, and so this is on my mind, you know, politically, I've also had recent conversations, um, like religious conversations about different denominations. Um, I think it exists and you could, you name it, like any kind of siloed sector, um, things are getting narrowed. And so there's something about imagination that I think opens that up and softens the boundaries mm. in a way that's really important for us right now. And I think hearing you talk about when she probably said this, like was also important for science in particular at that time. Um, and then the, the second half of the sentence, beauty and poetry, um, you know, in thinking about like, well, just this past weekend, you know, the experiences that we had in the forest. And then also just right now thinking about like, how do I verbalize? I start with a phenomenological experience or there's something in my body that I can feel. What do you mean by phenomenological? (laughs) Yeah. So there's something in my body that I can feel and I have to figure out how to verbalize it. And that's just my life. Like that's, that is always, so, so words always come secondary. Um, to like the feeling. And so when she talks about beauty and poetry, that's what I think about a little bit is like being able to tap into feeling, which I think is attributed often to beauty and poetry and the arts or imagination, and then somehow translate or funnel that into words, um, which I think is a category that science is, you know, would occupy. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think that Mariah Mitchell was, first of all, she was also, a Nantucket woman, which means that, you know, she had a certain sense of independence, a certain sense of agency. Um, and I think that that also sort of contributes to her being relatively, I mean, outspoken, especially for her time. But the other thing I think she's speaking to is, in addition to what I was saying about the social issues and what you're saying about the the felt world, the felt sensorial world. She was also speaking to the inherent hubris of science to think in a, you know, highly positivist way, which means to say, I'm going to posit that there is a truth that I can discover, you know, in its, in Mm -hmm. its entirety. 
I, I can discover the whole truth. That's an idea that was present early in the evolution of science, but we have mm -hmm. since had to abandon that idea that that there, that you can never have a kind of whole truth about any any question. And so I, I think she part of what she was saying there was was part of that disruption that science was going through. Yeah. Did you did you want to respond to that? No, I mean I just I think that's really interesting. It's just fun, you know, it's or it's easy to slip into comparing, you know, art and science and um you know something about art is just that like at least the school of thought that i subscribe to is that like you will never get an answer about anything and in fact if you do it means you've kind of run yourself mm. into a corner and you need to back up and and keep moving um answers i'm actually like just suspicious of answers so and that's that's fun like i, I do that intentionally i don't i don't really want answers I am too. I'm especially if they are decontextualized answers. Like I think mm -hmm. every answer sort of has to take on the qualities of the context the question is being asked. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, these are all philosophical questions about science. I want to um, think and talk a little bit more about where we think this conversation intersects with what we're doing the the work that we're the collaborative work that we're doing. Um, I mentioned at the in the show intro that you and I have a history of um, collaborating um, across the science and art um, schism, and um, so I guess um, can I'd like to talk a little bit about like what we're up to and how our approaches to collaboration and our own practices kind of tap into this idea that um, we need to soften the boundaries between science and art. Can you give us a little bit of background on the project that we have going on up in New Hampshire? Yeah, yeah, sure. I love talking about it. Um, I mean, I think just at the very kind of the way that it happened was, um, I don't know, I think I'm thinking and, and we're going to get to this, but like now with what we're doing with Mariah Mitchell and Nantucket, there's, I mean, we use the, the phrase widening circles a lot. It's from that Rilke poem and Joanna Macy uses it. And, mm -hmm. and I just really like the metaphor and I, and it makes me think of, um, okay, what, what are gonna, the widening circles? Well, I'm going to get to it, but just, I'm going to give you an image first, which is beyond widening circles, but there's like, and this is going to just show how much of a, not a scientist I am, but like, I have this image of like inside of a Petri dish or even just like bubbles. And when they like float and, and touch, they join together and get bigger. And then they like float around until they meet another bubble and they kind of like connect and get bigger. Um, so that's the, again, when I talk about like having a phenomenological understanding of something and trying to put it into words, that's kind of, that's what I'm trying to do right now is because I can really strongly feel what's happening here. Um, and then I get a visual for it. And then that visual maybe helps me find the words for it. Um, but essentially, uh, you know, you have an artist who works with place and you have a scientist who works with place and we decided to share a place. Um, and that's kind of how Hubbard Brook happened. I mean, for various reasons, we were pointed towards Hubbard Brook and we met Lindsay Rustad and, you know, she's amazing and, and welcomed us in. Um, and so the three of us, you know, our bubbles kind of joined up for this particular project and um, yeah, the, the rest is kind of history. I like that. I think, I think that's a great way in that that um, what we discovered as we started to work together was that we both have this commitment to place. And that may or may not have been stated 
you know, early on, but what we discovered is just how important um, connection, immersion in place really mm -hmm. is. So I should just mention that Hubbard Brook is a, um, it's an 8,000 acre piece of land up in New Hampshire, up in the White Mountains, that is designated as an experimental forest. So the US Forest Service initiates long-term landscape scale ecological research projects. Um, and this was a place that was instrumental in helping us understand not only the, the, um, the magnitude of the acid rain problem back in like the 70s and 80s, but also in how to mitigate the acid rain problem. And they actually were instrumental in getting policy changes implemented that, um, that have, you know, largely addressed um, you know, the, the, the symptomatic level of, of acid rain. So this is a place that Rita and I, um, we basically launched, we, we approached them to do a project where we would bring our respective practices in place-based immersion um, and do some kind of um, sci art science collaborative project. And actually, the Hubbard Brook Foundation, which is the administrative arm of this forest, um, is has been really forward-thinking and um, innovative in cultivating art science collaboration projects. So what is it that we've been doing up there? Artists that work with place will generally, I mean, at least my practice I, would take me to different residencies or I would just work with whatever place that I was in. So when I was in Brooklyn, I worked with the Brooklyn waterfront, which was right where my studio was. Or, you know, then I moved up to the Hudson Valley and I just started working in the Hudson Valley. But um, I wanted, you know, you go to these residencies and so short of using the places where you're living, you're really not offered very much time there. And so I just thought it was so ridiculous that artists are expected to have something to offer about a place um, after really not spending very much time. And it's not very often, at least in my experience, that um, an artist goes back to a residency. Like once you go there, kind of look for a different one to go to. Plus they have, you know, so many applicants and they, you know, everybody needs a turn. So um, I wanted to, you know, it's like scientists get to do long-term ecological research why don't i get to do long-term like this is what i want to do i want to understand a place and i want to acknowledge that you never can fully understand a place so it's a it's sort of a forever project and so um i was looking for you know knowing that there were these art sci residencies that were kind of popping up at different field stations i was trying to find kind of a home for that. And so again, with these bubbles kind of connecting, like you and I had decided we wanted to do something together and then Hubbard Brook kind of popped up and we we're like, well, I guess let's, let's do what we want to do over, over at Hubbard Brook. And so it kind of, um, I don't know, I found myself, it, it surprised me. I didn't, I didn't think that I would answer both searches, uh, with the same location. Um, so yeah, so that was just really nice, um, and convenient also. Uh, so we, what are we doing there? Is that what the well, question? Well, um, I guess my next question would be like, so both of us have now mentioned that we do, that we focus on immersion in place. How would you say that your practice accomplishes that? Um, well, yeah, I mean, you know, that I have a whole process that I use um, that also changes depending on the, the place itself, but there's sort of a structure there where I, I you know, I, I go in and I, um, 
I don't know. I mean, we were laughing when we first got to Hoverbrook because we got to experience each other's um, kind of initial way of kind of scoping out a location. And what did we say? You were like a cat and I was like a dog. Like I needed to, I just needed to like go around everywhere and get a full, I'm a very holistic per, like thinker. Like I need to see the whole thing before I can understand, like before I can decide where to dive into the parts. And so for me, the beginning of the process is very much like, how can we hike these like 7,800 acres, like as quickly and as like, yeah, like, let's just get a big understanding of, you know, of course, not a very deep understanding. Um, and then I start to dive in. Um, so I don't know, do you want me to, how much well, detail do you want? Let me tell you what I saw as an ecologist okay. and okay. as somebody who studies transformative experiences in nature. What I saw was an artist who um, had developed a method by which you pull out a wooden frame to which you have attached a clear plastic sheet. And then essentially that becomes a tool, it becomes a portal really for engaging with some element of the place. And so, but what I found really compelling and really got me excited was as I watched you work, I watched you also in some sense disappear because you had this, you had defined this, this window, this portal to, to look through. And because your attention was focused so intensely on, you know, what you could see and how you could, how you could then carry what you saw to this surface, this, pl this plastic sheet, but it, as I was watching that, I, I I watched you in some sense, like relinquish yourself to that to that mm -hmm. place. And from my experience, you know, I do something similar. I don't do it in the way that you're doing it, but when I study a place and when I get to know a place and I relate to it at that kind of at that kind of um, intensity, and what I realize in my own practice is that I disappear. And and what I so what got me really excited was to see someone else doing something like that. And you had figured out a way to actually um, to integrate your artistic, you know, c capacities as well. So I, and I just think that that was a really great starting point because what we were both doing was really highlighting the place. By subduing, by limiting, by um, um, muting who, who we were, it it opened it opened up a channel through which that place could then come in and occupy us, and yeah. I and that is such a critical. Uh, I think that's just such a critical mechanism, and that's a bad word for well, it, but that's a critical way that a place can get into us. What what you're describing is just it's just cool to hear you say it because it was. You, you encapsulated it so succinctly, but it was actually all me like stumbling and fumbling and, and playing. Well, but that, that, I mean, that sounds a lot like science in many ways. I mean, that mm -hmm. is a kind of science. It's not the kind of science that, you know, Francis Bacon was talking about, but it is a kind of science. Oh, uh, sorry. And what I meant to, how I meant to wrap that back around though, was that what you describe as like me losing myself through the portal, the, the frame, um, brought me back to the work that I was doing with the shadows outside. And so like that, that loss of self and that like release of that kind of existential anxiety, um, happened again. I, and it surprised me cause I didn't, I didn't set out in that moment. I, you know, I set out to make an installation and then here I was again, you know, with the same kind of 
So, and so, so I, so I think the connection there is making work outside. Like, so what I found was that like, oh, when I'm outside, it, I'm able to like access this state. Um, and so artwork or no artwork. And because, you know, I'm using the artwork to get me there, or the process to get me there. But that state is like, it feels really good. It's like a really <laughs> good state to be in. <laughs> Next week, we'll take a deeper dive into Rita's process and introduce a series of really cool place-based art projects that are taking shape on Nantucket. I'm Rich Blundell, the visiting scientist at the Moriah Mitchell Association. Thanks again for listening to the Nature of Nantucket podcast. <laughs>